Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Up The Vibe. And today I'm joined by Celia Hatch, who is a counsellor from Calgary, and who has also played a big role in growing CE5 and co-writing the CE5 Handbook with Mark Kaprowski. We'll also be discussing the upcoming Fire the Grid event and the positive change it could bring. Hi, Celia. How are you doing today? Hello. Good. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for having me here. No, it's, it's great to have you on. And uh, first, I wouldn't mind asking about your background a bit and also any UFO experiences you've had. Yeah, absolutely. So my background is that I am kind of a normal, um, uh, what was I going to call it, like a Joe Blow, but like maybe like Joe Blow. I just don't even have any um, uh, experiences as somebody who's like uh, sensitive to energy, you know, contact with ETs. Um, when I was younger, I'm just an average person that when I was younger, the only thing that maybe might have predicted that I would be interested in this would have been that I was interested in science fiction. So just the okay. fact that that I having being just like a regular person with no special um, abilities uh, or not being adept at, you know, telepathy or anything like that or channeling um, like so many people in my C5 group or people in the C5 world, just the fact that I can um, get sightings and communicate with ET, I think is really encouraging for just anybody that is thinking about starting out and okay. would like to give this a try. Sure. I, I can relate to the fact that when I first got into the UFO topic, uh, I wasn't really that knowledgeable about the sort of the channeling aspect, the astral realm and all this. And it all seemed quite odd to hear about. And the more and more I've got into it, the more and more I fit, I hear about other people who can get into these realms as you say and I feel like I'm an ordinary person as well fascinated by the topic but the more and more I hear about these people you do often feel like you're the minority by being pretty ordinary don't you yeah it <laughs> but, does seem uh, like that yeah but I think everyone everyone's uh everyone's special and we're all learning how to adopt these I think you know one day we, we'll all have maybe these these uh these powers if you want to call them that um so yeah you you uh got into cct5 uh actually I, didn't, I don't know when, when did you get into c5 so i got into c5 about eight years ago when okay. dr greer put out his documentary Sirius, and a friend of mine were watching and we got so excited and we started a c5 group and we had fairly regular meetings for about three years and had no sightings and we're pretty frustrated after three <laughs> years but still oh. pretty dedicated and continuing to go out and a friend of mine and I went down to California to see Costa McCrease for one of his ET retreats, ET contact retreats. And we asked Costa, can you tell us what's going on? Can you give us any advice? We've been doing this for three years and we haven't had a sighting. And he said, wow, you're dedicated. I think I would have already given up by then. And he <laughs> said, I think you guys should have a potluck. Why not that? So we came back and I think as a combination of seeing in California what it is that we were looking for because we had not even we had no idea really what we were looking for except for anomalous lights and also us having a connection in the group a deeper connection in the group and and having potlucks and getting to know each other more deeply I think that was the combination of what allowed us to to have sightings and that was our blog because so, so what, what is a potluck sorry oh a potluck is just a gathering where everybody brings their own food dish Oh, like, like a potlash. Is that the same concept? I think I've heard of that from maybe. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, in terms of uh, the old, um, old tribes in Canada used to do these potlashes, I think it's called. Is that the same thing? I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I've never it. heard of that word, but basically okay. everybody brings a dish and hopefully you don't bring the same dish. Maybe it's organized, but <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, what, what was happening because um, as the leader, people would come and connect with me and they would email me and they would come in and they'd give me a big hug and then they'd just sit down next to somebody next to them and it would be like two strangers next to each other on the couch so when we started to have the potluck set then people were encouraged to ask questions of each other and we weren't so super focused on okay what's our agenda what are we doing outside under the sky and you know go home we started to really have um, a connection to each other and and learning about each other and having that group intimacy of just um caring for each other more and so I think that that is that was really key for us to begin to have confirmation okay. of ET contact. How many were in your group at the time? Oh I think we have about 20, 20 27 people on the email list on and off over the years and then at any one outing probably about seven people okay. would come out. 
but when, when you had uh, sort of three years of not much happening, how many was in the group then? Was that? Yeah, it was about the same. Really? Okay. So you had quite a, quite a large group for that period and they were all quite dedicated still by the end of that three year period. And it's, uh, that's fantastic that they uh, managed to uh, keep going with it. Cause I agree. It's uh, that's a lot of nights, especially in the cold, if it's uh, in Canada. <laughs> yeah, we definitely have some chillier nights up here. Yeah, sure. And so you you did all this uh, sort of cohesion, you got together, you got to know each other more. And would you say that you had more experiences after that? Definitely. We had sightings that first night that we went out after we returned from, wow, my okay. friend and I returned to, from California. And continued in fact probably since the time that we returned from california nine out of ten nights we would have sightings it would actually very weird for us not to have sightings okay great and what sort of sightings would you see generally flash bulbs for the most part so flash bulbs um a series of flash bulbs sometimes even up to 50 flash bulbs in a row coursing across the sky um many of what i kind of call low-key sightings so these are uh, alleged satellites, which could be a satellite, but it might not be. But there's something a little bit odd about it, like maybe it appeared when you were saying thank you to the group, or um, or it just is a different color, or it's wobbling or something. So those low-key sightings, I think, are really important for people to, it's almost like a barrier for people to get past, because it helps people get used to the idea that um, it, it helps people to adjust to the mystery of everything and be open-minded instead of just instantly throw everything out the window and just garbage everything. So I think that it's really important for people to learn how to accept and be comfortable with the mystery without getting agitated or angry or closed down. So I think that they have a purpose. I, I literally think that the ETs provide us with those types of sightings, not only to help us get used to them to, and not be scared by anomalous lights that pop up right away, but, but also for us to develop um, from a spiritual or just like evolutionary point of view of how can we surf the unknown and be nice. Yeah, definitely. And do you have, um, did you have any experiences where some people would have sightings and others wouldn't, but they'll be looking at the same place or even um, have yeah, just looking at the same part of the sky almost as well. Definitely. One of my first outings that I went to at the beginning of all of this, my mentor from BC, Deb Warren, came to Alberta to do a circle. And there were 30 people. It was a very big circle. This is where I met my friend, Graham Dunlop, who is uh, who has a podcast, The Grand America Show. He was in our oh, yeah. C5 group for many years. And he was sitting next to me and he could see a flash bulb going off and I could see absolutely nothing, just pitch black. And him and a few other people in the group were like, there it is, there it is again, there it is again. And I didn't even know what to think at the time. I thought that maybe they were just seeing something and not, not making it up, but I didn't think it was there. So yeah, that type of experience does happen often where one person will see something and another person will not for whatever reason, probably many different factors. Okay, yeah. I've I've had an event uh, last year where something similar happened. There was several of us on on top of a hill, and half the group have this had this amazing experience that they took home with. The other half said, "Oh, it was just headlights. <laughs> We're just looking at headlights." It's kind of odd that you know that that can happen, and I, I do wonder if there is an aspect to that that is down to our perception and what we're ready for, and somehow we all have different conscious experiences at the, at the same moment. It's it's uh, fun to explore that. So what kind of techniques did you use? Um, to, uh, and I, I'm thinking that you may have changed your techniques over time. What sort of things do you do during, during C5 events? So at first we were going by what Dr. Greer had taught in a lecture that I attended a long time ago of his, which was that um, you need three things for contact. You need a connection to one mind consciousness, a sincere heart, and a strong intention. And those things always do seem to apply. We always uh, um, have those elements in the group, but I've kind of simplified it now to distill it down to basically um, two things, which is just a very high frequency, meaning being in joy, peace, you know, high coherence, 
and having the intention. So it doesn't really matter what we do as a group or alone. If I feel like if we go out and we have the intention and as long as you're high vibes, then there's a chance that you may get a sighting. It's never a guarantee, but, but we don't really have a technique. It could be anything. It could be meditation, you know, remote viewing, singing bowls. Um, some people really do love music. So, you know, the didgeridoo or um, doing chakra cleaning, clearing. It, it, it literally, reading a poem, you know, listening to Pink Floyd, it really could be anything as long as it makes you feel good and raises your frequency. Okay, sure. And do you have the app? And have you used it at all that Stephen Greer gave? I don't have the new one I um, because by now we've kind of developed our own style. Yeah. But um, when the app originally came out, the previous app, we did use that one. And we played the crop circle tones and um, and follow some of the meditations. Dr. Greer has a wonderful way of speaking and he has such a great vocabulary and it, it's very poetic. And I feel like it, it's uh, very... Um, activating or inspiring for people to listen to him so we often do play a dr greer meditation at our city fives sure and you said you had the didgeridoo that sounds interesting do you have someone who can play the didgeridoo in your group we do have somebody who can play the didgeridoo in our group and she once brought it to clear our heart chakras and she went from person to person in the group and played the didgeridoo at our heart center it was wonderful and how do you how do you clear a heart chakra a heart center <laughs> um, I believe using the same principles of high, uh, high frequency and intention. I, I never asked her how she okay. does it, but, but it was a type of a clearing exercise that she was doing on all of us using vibration and sound to bring us into coherence. Okay, cool. Yeah. And have you got uh, knowledge about how C5 is done sort of differently around the world a little bit from, from your, your work in C5? Yeah, C5 it is something that people come to in their own way and there are many leaders right so dr Greer would be an example of one of them costa mccrease james gilliland um greg sullivan in japan peter maxwell slattery i mean the list goes on alien protocols in new york there are all of these people that that can teach protocols to others and that's very valuable and it's interesting to see the different ways that people do make contact. Um, but also it's important to know that you can come to this through your own inner knowing or your own decisions or style or whatever you wanna call it. As long as you approach it with high frequency and strong attention, then you can develop your own technique for CE5. So for example, Matt Marabona is somebody who was a contributor to the book that we wrote. He stumbled upon C5 when he was out at night. I can't remember if he was with someone. He might have been with his girlfriend at the time. And they were high frequency, right? They were in love or looking at the sky and, um, and then had communication, had a confirmation. And he, it's like he made the connection that I'm high frequency right now. And, and I'm having a UFO sighting with, you know, benevolent somebody, extraterrestrial intelligence. And if I bring myself into this high frequency again, then I'll have that contact again. So whenever he goes out, his technique is think about joy, think about love. What is it that makes your heart sing? What is it that um, makes you happy? Who are the people in my life that make me happy? What are the things that I do? And can I communicate with these people in these beings using this emotion? So his is very emotion centered. And do you, do you have something that uh, you use as a way to trigger your own sort of uh, feeling of that feeling of high frequency or joy? Do you have something that you can stick to or is it, does it vary? I think it varies and we use a whole bunch of different techniques. Personally, I, I tend to um, lift my consciousness up into sort of a God perspective. So I like to almost like join my eyesight with what God might see or what source might see or a like uh, understanding of how um, the universal source might experience life as a whole. So that's that's just something personal that I do, but every everybody has a different way of um, connecting in their okay. own way, yeah. Well, I, how, how do you explain how, how you can visualize what source might be seeing the world? That's uh, difficult to explain, but 
do I, I mean I've, I've heard a couple of the Stephen Gray kind of uh, meditations and how he, he describes this sort of ever-expanding uh, consciousness throughout the throughout the, is, is that something similar yeah I what I do is I I think about what it would be like to be more than just myself so I extend my point of view to the people around me in the group or the people around me in the houses whether in the farms or the houses in the neighborhood nearby or what is it like to be a tree and at the same time the dog that's walking past the tree how how to feel all of these different sensations and emotions and experiences all at the same time and also have that non-judgmental you know pure compassion that i believe that source has where everything is just perfect the way it is perfect in its imperfectness and this is all an experience that uh that is is filtering through to source at, on many multiple levels yeah sure that that, that unity consciousness you might call yeah. it yeah yeah yes I, I definitely resonate with with that um my podcast is called up the vibe and it amongst other things is a way to look at how we can all raise our frequency and i think i think that's that's where this, this the solution to a lot of the current issues in the world will reside in in us all raising our frequency not just through ce5 but ce5 was was where i certainly discovered how important that was so i love your show name it's great <laughs> thank you so you, you mentioned uh, your handbook earlier and i wanted to sort of ask a bit more about how you came to to do that and what what it involved I, i've i've had i've well, I've read through it myself and it's, it's quite involved. I was quite impressed with how much detail there was in it. Thank you. We did try to be very thorough. One of the reasons why we decided to put the handbook out is because there was really no very straightforward, simple and practical um, instructions out there. There was a lot that you could sift through um, and it was all really good stuff. But what we wanted to do was produce something that people could just pick up, read it quick, and get into the field and go have their sighting and and get over some of the stumbling blocks like what do I pack <laughs> what am I looking for you know these really simple things that I was always asking my mentor in Deb Warren in BC and was calling her up oh you know we've got this problem or I'm having a problem with leading as a as the leader leading the group and you know somebody's talking too much and somebody's not talking at all there's all of these little small things that make up what a C5 experience is like. So we wanted to provide as much information as possible on every single topic that we could. It's basically kind of a C5 for dummies book. <laughs> I, mean, I thought yeah. about that as a book name and eventually decided against it <laughs> because it was yeah. a little bit derogatory, but but it is, it's just simple and direct and practical. And But at the same time, we really hope that we did present the most important parts about C5, which is, this is not about sightings. This is not about free energy, even even though that would be a wonderful byproduct. This is about the expansion of your consciousness. So it is about the inner work that we do to prepare for uh, external confirmation, which is kind of irrelevant in the end. And so we hope that although we present all of these very um, organizational and kind of concrete sequential um, uh, steps and structure to doing C5, that we still bring it back to this core idea that um, it really is about um, about it, the experience of the mystery and unfolding of each person's understanding of the world as it becomes greater and greater and as we ascend into our own personal evolution. Yeah, you said about uh, confirmation uh, while you were talking. Do you mean sort of disclosure when you say about confirmation, external confirmation? Oh, I mean just the physical confirmation okay. of a sighting, of a multiple witness sighting. So I consider that like a like a confirmation. Like, yes, you're doing the inner work. Yes, you're, um, you know, okay. you're, you're high frequency. You're getting along with others. I, yeah. I feel like that. And and also and and this is real, right? Like I think that's a big part of it too. That is really nice about C five that. I think it offers something unique, maybe not necessarily unique, but I guess unique in its own way for a certain grouping of people who, who want to have the proof. So you could do something like channeling or remote viewing or um, any other number of uh, metaphysical things like 
taking photos of auras or whatever and get your own proof in that way. But I, can, I think that this is kind of a special way of getting proof. Um, I think it's a really exciting way of getting proof. And I don't think that getting proof is necessarily a, a negative thing. No. Um, I guess the only danger would be that you just get too much into getting the proof and not and not do any personal development. But I think that there's a, a, a it's like the, the experience that ETs are bringing out of us is to move us through our own evolution. And so if we get too lost into the details or we get into the proof too much, then they're not going to give us an experience. So for example, after about a year of having really stunning experiences um, with Mark group, after we got from back from California and we were actually having uh, sightings in the sky, we did a new year's resolution at the beginning of the year. And we said, Hey, you know, what do we want to experience this year? Everything on our list was a type of sighting. It's like, nice. I want to see um, an alleged satellite that is wavy. Oh, I want to see a flashbulb that is blue, right? Or like all of these things that really were quite superficial, but in our excitement, we was just like kids at a candy store, like getting the confirmation is a very um, wonderful experience. And um, there's nothing bad about that in and of itself. But when we went out that night, we saw absolutely nothing. And we were getting the inner knowing or maybe even a download or communication, which was, oh, we didn't make a list of what we're going to do for our inner development this year at all. Okay. So, so we understood that that's why everything is so quiet tonight because our priorities were totally screwed up. Okay, yeah. And, and the intention side as well, was that sort of something that you sort of missed out yeah, on as well exactly yes and and how do you just going back on on the intention side is it something that you've done you did together or was it just just during your day-to-day -day activities for intention we would as a group often just go by one by one in a circle and say what's your intention for night and um and then maybe make a group intention that was the same so so yeah we did we would always start off with just intentions for each of us yeah, cool. When I did my C5 event in Averyby last year, we all actually had Zoom meetings for about a week before, like once a week. It was quite uh, quite in intense <laughs> to do uh, all these meetings and meet each other. But actually, I think it really helped because when we met in person, given that we this was all it was also during the during the pandemic and everything, we weren't hadn't met in person as as yet. And uh, it was, but it was clear that having that. Uh, those Zoom meetings helps get that cohesion. It's so important. And I think there's so much that you learn as a group. When I first started, my mentor said that when you're looking for a CE5 group, you might find some groups that are all, that are closed. And I was like, oh, why would they close that? And I thought that that was kind of a bad thing. You know, closure kind of seems like a uh, step backwards instead of opening, right? And, and after about six years, I recognized that my group had done so many things together um, and not only did we have a high resonance with each other, but also we had kind of climbed to different levels of ability and um, understanding of everything so that when new people came into the group, it was a bit of a mismatch in terms of what they were talking about, what they were interested in about, what their questions were. Um, and, um, and it was a bit hard to juggle that all together. And so in the end, what I have done with my group is we do have pretty much a closed group now. And I'm just facilitating um, C5 socials so that people in the area can get together and meet each other because I really feel, at least for me anyways, that the, the value of getting together with say three people, or you know, if you're lucky five or seven that meet regularly, uh, lucky doesn't matter, luck or no luck, three is just as great, two is just as great as seven, it just depends on what you want. But if you can develop with that group over years, the relationships that you make, the best friends that you make, as well as all of the experiences and the growth that you make, it's basically like you're in a small class together and you are going from level to level to level together. And it's just the best experience. So that's why I really encourage people to make a small group. Don't just go to, you can, right? Go to a big group and join in a few times a year or a few times and then just let it go. But I just think there's so much value in making a small team and moving forward with that small team. Yes, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And have you seen C5 grow quite a lot in Calgary? There's definitely a lot of interest here. And I've, we've got people on the Facebook group and a Telegram list going or a thread going. So there is interest here. 
and definitely after the last um, unacknowledged, no, not unacknowledged, I forgot the name of the last documentary Dr. Greer did. There's an upsurge. Every time he does a documentary, there's an upsurge. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine. Do, have you um, done much of the Rama protocol? So I'm in the middle it. of taking a Rama class with Miguel Canal right now, and it's wonderful. Um, we didn't really know much about it when we wrote the book. So there's only a few mentions about Rama in the mm -hmm. C5 handbook. I consider C5 to be a ubiquitous word that describes ET contact, human initiated ET contact, um, including all contact modalities. I don't consider it just to be Dr. Greer's method. So I would include Rama into the C5 category. However, we didn't know at the time when we wrote the book, which geez, when was that? Three or four years ago. We didn't really know anybody that had done Rama. It was hard to get the materials. It, we, it was, for whatever reason, I couldn't include it into the book as much as I would have liked to. So there's a few mentions. One of our group mem mem um, members actually went to Egypt on a tour with Sixto Pass Wells, which was very cool. So he could bring yeah. some information. So we do have some advice from Sixto Pass Wells in the book and some references to how you can contact Rama in the book as well. So, And, and just for those who that, are listening who may not, might not know, what's Sixto's connection with Rama? Is he, he, he the creator in a way? I think he was one of the founders of Rama yeah. in the beginning, okay. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but anyways, um, so recently we had the opportunity to join Miguel's class and he or promotes it on uh, the CE5 initiative group on Facebook and other groups and mm -hmm. it's free and they put a lot of work into it and uh, they really promote creating a cohesive group. It starts off with the class that I started, started off with, Oh, I don't know, 40 people. And now it's down to 12 or something like that. Oh, really? So, okay. yeah. So exactly it's the great. intensity of it. Yeah. I think, and also everybody has a different, um, just, uh, I guess, match. What's the word I'm looking for? They just align with certain styles of teaching. So I think that people are exposed to it. They like it. Okay, sure. That's good. They really like it. They stay. They want to move on and look at some other way of learning how to do CE5 than they do. Yeah. And I, I mentioned at the start that uh, as a professional, you're, you're a counsellor. Uh, mm -hmm. I think I, I read trauma counsellor. I think you gave it a, a different name, but has that been uh, something that's influential in, in raising your consciousness uh, and other aspects of C5? Absolutely. It's so important for everybody on the planet to, I guess, be recognized and be aware of how difficult this earth experience is and mm -hmm. how on the whole we have been traumatized and for us to move into higher frequencies we have to heal within ourselves so to have et contact to ascend to even just come to a level of sustainability with the people around us and our relationship to the earth healing our trauma is so important and we're learning a lot about healing trauma in the trauma world it's not necessarily about talk therapy or an analyzing things. It's really about the somatic experience of the body and how to soothe the body into relaxation and understanding that the body is safe and telling it the body that in a language the body understands, which is massage, yoga, guided meditation, music, you know, progressive relaxation, breathing. So all of these things can assi assist with our own healing, which will thereby assist um, ET contact or anything else that humans have a goal for. So all those that you, you mentioned, are they all things that you bring into your practice? Yeah, and everybody's different and has a different uh, modality that they like. So it really depends on what, what each person wants, but... Um, but those are, are very typical offerings that any counselor would um, share with somebody in terms of like, how, how do you heal trauma in the body? Because trauma gets embedded in the body. Every mm -hmm. body cell has a memory receptor. So it's, it's really a process of letting go of what happened and getting back into the present and hope for the future and moving forward um, yeah. in, a, in a relaxed way. Did you deal with past life trauma as well? I don't personally. No, I'm more of a like a clinical counselor. I don't do regressions or anything like that. But Every once in a while, I have. 
What's that? Were you aware of it in terms of QHHT and all that? Yeah, I've done that. I've I was a I've done that before. It's a really great experience. Yeah, and yeah, it's amazing how uh, the stories that you hear from that from the healing aspect. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. it is fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I don't know if we can now talk about the fire the grid. Uh, something I'm not too familiar with, but I did actually hear a, a podcast from Grant Cumman recently on it, so I got got to know about it, and I didn't realize how how big it was. So, t- tell me a bit about this. I'll add a link to fire the grid below. Sure, that'd be great. Yes. So Fire of the Grid started as a result of a near-death experience that this lady, Samoya Shelley Yates, had. And um, she and her four-year-old son drowned in a lake. And while she was dead, she met some extraterrestrial multidimensional light beings. And they told her how she could save the life of her son once she got back into her body. So when she rushed over to the hospital to where her son was, the doctors are telling her already that she may as well just unplug him. She goes into the hospital hallway and she's like, what do I do? What do I do? And she has all of this remembering that she just had a near-death experience and these extraterrestrial light beings had given her instructions. And basically his body is almost out, completely depleted of his life force energy, and she needs to do an energy transfer to bring energy back into his body. And the instructions were for her to call everybody that she knew. So she picked up her little black book, and she called everybody, including guys she just wanted dates with like once. <laughs> wow. And she said, come to the hospital. I need you to come. My, my son is dying, and I need you to be with him. She didn't even really tell them what the instructions were. She didn't say, you know, we're doing an energy transfer. She just said, when they came in, just put your hands on him and just tell him about life and what's so good about it and why he should stay. Now, of course, when you speak about your joy, it gets amplified and it runs courses through your body and you have extra energy to give. And so for three days, people would do this 20 minutes at a time, 24 hours a day. It was incredible that ICU even allowed her to do this because yeah. it was so unconventional. And then they these are all instructions that she was given by these ETs on how to everything that you're doing. Yeah, okay. Including the music that they yeah. said play music. So she's playing music, and at the end of the three days, he's actually getting worse and worse and worse. And there's a smell in the room, and she asked the doctor, "What is that smell?" And the doctor said, "Oh, that's his in- internal organs. Um, his intestines are rotting." My goodness. She went out into the hospital into the hospital hallway, and she's like shaking her fist I've done everything you've asked me to do and then she hears her friend say Shelly come quick he's awake she runs into the room he's sitting up in bed he's got tubes coming out of all his body he can't he can't speak and the doctors say oh that's just a reflex and he doesn't know who you are and she said oh well honey do you know uh, they said what did they say yeah I think that's sorry that's what they said and she said is my name Mary and he shook his head no and she said oh is my name Brenda and he shook his head no and she said is my name Shelly and he's like yeah mom like what's going on with you how come you don't know your name and she just turned to the doctor and said we're done I'm not speaking to you right now so they said that he would never walk again they said that his body would not function and that he would be at like just a very low capacity and he made an incredible miraculous recovery and they walked out of the hospital in a few weeks so so as the story goes this was the 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 first miracle that happened <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> and, <laughs> and um the light beings came back to her about a year later and they said what you did with a small group of people for your dying son you can do with a large group of people for a dying planet and that's and all the fire of the grid project she was given all of these instructions on how she was to get people for one hour all around the world to be in their joy and say thank you and they could meditate if they want they could pray if they want or they could just do whatever it is that brings them joy that raises their frequency and you know you get those little tingles like you're truly mm-hmm. happy and um that was in 2007 and she's a very engaging speaker and she also had George Nuri interview her and he's got I don't think something like 34 million followers or whatever mm-hmm. and as soon as that she did that interview with him the next day their website broke because they had so many hits on the website and it just went like wildfire 
So it went viral before we even really, in the days before we even had a name for what was going viral. And their low estimates was 20 million for participants. And they did that in 2007 and as well, 2009 and 2011, different okay. intentions for 2009 and 11. 2007 was literally about saving the life force, force energy of the planet, of the earth. Yeah. 2009 and 11 were different you said 20 million was that what was that the estimate of how many people were involved in 2007 participating and that is the low estimate and it's interesting as um i'm organizing the project now for samoya i love to hear people say oh i did this back in 2007 or oh you know i was doing this in 2009 and 11 so there's a lot of people that are returning to the project and remember who she is and, and what what happened back then and do you know if there's a growth beyond that 20 million for the, the upcoming one? Oh, well, here's the interesting part about this whole story is that Samoya has been a reluctant messenger. And so after 2007, 9 and 11, the beings did provide more dates and more um, projects that they could do, like Project Cause, which was a wonderful humanitarian idea, um, as well as a number of other things. But it was too difficult to be on the world stage. And so she withdrew and the project basically petered out. Um, all of those email addresses were lost, although they probably aren't even in use anymore. So we couldn't even use them as a database. But the momentum that was gained at that time was lost. And so we started from scratch last year in July. And the light beings have always said to Samoya, this is just for your guidance and consideration. You could do this. Here's a farther grid date. Here's a project that you could do. And in July of last year, they said, now, 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 there is an urgency to do this. Now, please gather the people together. Or you may, if you want, this is your opportunity is probably more accurate. So she, she said go, <laughs> which is great because over the last three years, Samoya and I have been working together to try to get this together. How I came into the project is kind of a funny story. I just love the Fire the Grid project. She's a fantastic speaker, very funny and engaging. And I have watched her video probably more than a dozen times in my worst moments when I had no faith about life and I just needed something to put my faith into. And so I would, you know, hop on YouTube, listen to her story again. I'd be like, yes, this is what I believe. I can rebuild my poor, fragile little world from scratch. And I can move forward in the knowing that, you know, love is very important. High frequency and joy is powerful. And we are effective in the world around us. So I was always looking for her and asking um, Annie Tremblay, also known as Anael, the musician, what, where she was, what she was doing. And Annie is actually in the C5 world. So she's a C5 leader in Montreal. And she met okay. Samoya through Dr. Greer, through a lunch with Dr. Greer or breakfast with Dr. Greer. So I kept asking Annie or Anael, like, what's going on? And she would say, oh, she's feeling depressed. She's trying to write a book. She's maybe hopefully going to get it together. And I would, I would, um, I'm a bit of a squeaky wheel. I would, I would just poke in and ask every once in a while, maybe every year or so, what's going on? with Shelly Yates and I said hey I just became a counselor I this was about five years ago when I changed careers and and I thought oh I actually have a service that I could provide to her maybe I could help her get lift out of her depression and move forward with this um, book that she's writing because I wanted to read her book and I sent that message to her through Annie Annie sent it along to her and she texted me and said hey uh, never mind about the free counseling. That's nice and everything. But are you the dark haired lady that's going to help me bring my message to the world? Okay. Wow. And I said, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> Even though I had no idea whether I was or not, but I thought that was a fantastic opportunity. And so um, for the last three years, she and I have been working on, like you're talking about, right? How trauma affects us and our ability to live our best life. And in her case, to fulfill her mission, right? So we okay. did a lot of trauma work, a lot of um, healing and working with all of these sort of challenges and also here and there we would try to bring the project to life and and it would kind of start and fizzle and start and fizzle well finally in July when the like memes were like this is a priority let's okay. get this done we did the July fire the grid and I think that within we only had about three weeks to promote it I think in total because we had so much work to do to prepare we only had five weeks in total to prepare and then also the promotion time I think we got about maybe 8,000 people, which was kind of the goal. 
and the light beings came to Samoya in a very clear channeling, which is rare for her to hear words in her ear, that there was a volcano in Iceland that was erupting, which was to be the beginning of a series of highly destructive events. And by what we're doing and the number of people that we already have, we were able to avert much of the disaster that was coming towards us. So, um, so that fire the grid was a success and they gave us more dates. And so now we're kind of on a roll with that. And at this point, what the intention behind fire the grid, aside from just everybody getting into joy and lifting their frequency and doing their own healing in this own way, like this is another um, way technique to address trauma is to just be in your joy and as much as possible, right? So um, uplifting humans individually, uplifting humanity to help change our future um, and also assisting people that are not really very adept at firing their own grid. But when you do it as a group, you uplift everybody. It's like the, what's that saying about the sea level floating all boats or something like that? So okay. yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um so so right now what we're doing is we're just helping people with that, helping people be in joy, helping people um help each other and also programming the fifth field. So there's this whole new component of Fire of the Grid that we learned about in the last like in the last three years from what Samoya was telling, um, myself and Anael, the other okay. organizer. And we're moving into a time where we're actually going to enter a new field. Uh, Samoya calls it the fifth field. Other people have this idea too, you know, from different channelings and prophecies or whatever that we're moving into a new dimension and we're entering into the age of Aquarius and yeah. this is an ascension and there's a change happening, right? So what the beings are sharing this with us for is partially to help those of us that want to get into the, this new experience, um, that maybe we just needed a little bit of a nudge to get in and also just to tell us about what is coming so that we can understand it and have an easier time with the transition as we go into it so it is a bit of a wild concept have you ever seen that image that's out there on the internet of the earth that is like going into mitosis and it's splitting into two and you have one earth that's kind of like I, I have, I've, I think it's used to describe this 3D to 5D consciousness uh, that I've, right. I've, I've, I've seen that and it's an expression of the new earth. I think Dolores Cannon talked about, is that right? Yes, that's right. And that's what the beings have shown Samoya, that there is kind of like a splitting of timelines that's happening. And there's going to be people that will be going with the new earth and people that will be staying with the old earth. And so the delineation between who gets to stay and who gets to go is that you're, you're mostly high frequency and you don't have to be perfect, but that you're mostly a, like a light being, a happy person um, with, without, you know, like big attachments or really heavy feelings like anger or ego or fear. So as long as you're um, mostly high frequency, you get to go into this new world, but also you have to believe in it. You have to be able to conceive of it so that when the opportunity is presented in whatever way it yeah. is, that you can be like, oh, okay, I'm going to uh, step through that portal, walk across that rainbow bridge, or get onto an ET ship. Samoya has seen all of these different ways that people may enter into the fifth field, and it may be that each of us are going to enter into it in our own way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's also the idea of the one is taken, one is left, like in the Bible, right? So there's all of these different ways that we can transition into the fifth field. And, and this is what the beings are saying, the light beings are saying that we we are moving and that those of you who are ready and want to go, let's go. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think it's, it is bizarre to describe two separate timelines happening all at the same time, but I feel like I'm living it right now in, in the sense that I'm having this conversation with you about different fields of consciousness, but then I might go tomorrow morning down the street and, and talk about a lot of things where this wouldn't, wouldn't play a role in that it's it is bizarre how our lives are intertwined with this this kind of transition but also the old world still is still there and still is still part of things yeah and right now in the world there's so much of everything happening the fear and the polarization as well as the love and yeah. the community it's all happening at once so it, it does really feel like we're living 
maybe two or maybe even more parallel timelines all mashed together it's like a mashup and we're definitely seeing a lot of the trauma from the i talked about trauma earlier a lot of the trauma of the old world sort of bubbling up now so it could be seen as as, and transmuted as i've I've heard it's been called into the light yeah and there's a lot of that happening right now It's an exciting time and also very painful, right? And so one of the things that Samoya has said that the light beings have shared is that when you see things that are disturbing or are just too much, just turn away, just give it your love, mm-hmm. bless it, send any assistance energetically that you can, but then turn away and just go back to whatever it is that brings you joy. And, and it may yeah. seem like kind of a Pollyanna attitude of, um, you know, just getting distracted into your dancing and your music and the people that you love or whatever. But if you think about the ultimate power um, of, or the supreme power of our own frequency and how that affects everyone around us, one of the things in Fire the Grid that Samoya talks about is that we each have a hexagon on a grid, hence Fire the Grid. Okay. And so this hexagon is like a frosted hollow straw. And inside the hexagon is one point of light and that photon of light is your true essence and depending on how your emotions what your emotions are at that that determines how fast this photon of light is going to spin around the hexagon so if you're in joy it's going to be going zing 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 zing, like it'll be going very fast and when it goes fast like that it just pulses out energy and can light up hexagons around you a thousand of them around you so that is an exponential power that we have when we are living in a high frequency and we're in we're in low frequency and this little light is just going wub 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 around this hexagon we're actually drawing energy from the grid so it's a little bit of a paradox in terms of like okay i'm looking at whatever world chaos is happening around me whether it is you know hunger or um you know some kind of natural disaster and i'm i want to look at it and i want to fix it but i can't do anything about it and now i'm starting to feel bad well now you're actually part of a drawing down of energy for the planet but if you turn away from it do what you can do what you're inspired to do. Maybe you want to make a donation. Maybe there's something that you can do and feel in control of. But if you can't, turn away and just do whatever brings you joy and know that because you're in joy, you are uplifting everyone around you. Yeah, that, that's so true. And uh, talking about um, earlier with the, the description of the hexagons, it reminded me of being at a party. If you're there having fun, everyone, you, get, you attract people towards you if you yeah sort of being all sad and miserable people don't want to tend to be near you i think it's that's sort of a simple way of looking at possibly how how influential our, our light is in terms of how it affects others around us yeah exactly and we've all had that experience of going into a room where there's something off and you just want to run back out of the room because you like the tension is so high you sure. can cut it with a knife or you go into the party and it's infectious and delightful and so much fun yeah and and i can relate to when i started to really get go down the rabbit hole as as they call it in terms of you know taking the red pill and learning about all the the darker stuff that's been going on still happens i can say that i perhaps did go down a bit of a the route of being angry at it and and probably serving it in a way and i didn't realize Mm. that it took me a little while but when i realized that i was feeding the beast so to speak that's when i realized i needed to break out of it and to to live the life I'm I'm supposed to live or try try my best and try and live in joy so I can relate relate to that and certainly if anyone's listening and I imagine most people if they're listening have um listened to their inner voices and have possibly turned off the media already but if they haven't I'd recommend it <laughs> turn off the <laughs> yeah. media <laughs> turn off yeah. that fear uh, that's always projected because it's it certainly you don't realize how influential the the media complex has over our consciousness until you break out of it and step out of it and put it away and go wow that is that is incredible how much how much power they've had for so long and now that people are breaking away i've just been reading now recently how cnn has gone down tremendously in terms of viewers and you know it's not just cnn but that's just an example of how the world is just moving away from from needing this media complex to supply it with information because not just because of the propaganda and the falseness of it but also because it is just feeding fear and people just don't want 
to be fed fear anymore. They want to be fed positive news and good things happening. So exactly. Yeah. So tell me a bit about uh, when Fire the Grid is. You haven't you haven't said the, the date. Is it is it coming soon? February the twenty first. Okay. Yeah. So it will be at eleven oh seven GMT. Um, so that is for you in your area. I think you're going to hit about 1107. Yeah. Is that I, right? Very near Greenwich. So that's useful for me. <laughs> but there yeah, you go. It's, <laughs> and I, I will definitely be, uh, you know, trying to live as positively in that hour. Is it 11 till 12? Is that like the hour that you, that's yep. recommended? Yep. So 1107 to 1207, just okay. for that one hour, just doing whatever it is that brings you joy and just in, enjoy it. You could be meditating, dancing, singing, eating cake uh going for a walk snuggling your loved ones it could be anything and and then at the end of it say thank you so the actual experience of your joy is like the fuel and the thank you is the ignition that light that lights it up yeah and do you have to sign up or anything anywhere just to so you could just mark it on your calendar if you want if you want to register on the website you can it's www.firethegrid.world and you can put yourself on the map. You can see all the other participants that are around the world. It's been exciting because we're thinking, oh, we don't have anybody in India yet. Who do we know in India? So uh, there's there's an excitement there and being able to see each other uh, on the globe that was made by LightNet, our wonderful developers who are just amazing and have put in a ton, a ton of work into this globe. It's really, uh, we're so thankful for all of that that they've done. And um, yeah, you can see the time in your neighborhood when that um, 11.11 GMT is going to be. Uh, so I'm in Mountain Standard Time. For me, it's going to be 4.07 in the morning. I think in New Zealand, it's going to be 12.07 in uh, okay. at night, like midnight, yeah. midnight plus seven minutes. So uh, yeah, it'll be different all around. So you're going to set your alarm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it's too early for some people, there's definitely another alternative, which is to write a little post-it note or just set a very clear intention before you go to bed. I give permission or I intend to fire the grid, you know, in my non-physical body, my soul can do this at 3.07 in the morning or whatever it is. Um, and then your soul will do that at that time. So you just place the intention to do it. And then when you wake up in the morning, do use that day, whether you do something specifically for one hour, but, um, or just be in joy because there's a 27 hour window, 12 hours before 11.07 GMT and 15 hours after 11.07 GMT in which everything that you do is amplified because of the rain of energy that we are experiencing at that time. So it's a special window of time in which um, it would just be very beneficial to be in joy on that day. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much for just to coming on and talking about all these things. And have you got anything else you want to add before I uh, let you go? Yeah, gee, I don't think so, except, you know, like in terms of C5 or fire the grid or any other type of modality in which people are expanding their consciousness, like have fun. I think that that is something yeah. that sometimes we get lost in the details or research or worrying about whether or not we're doing it right or why, why am I not advancing as fast as I wish I could. Like, don't worry about it. This is just all a, a fun process. Yeah, and I think the journey is, is just as exciting as the end product. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and hopefully we can talk again sometime and you can update us on how the fire the grid went. Sure. I'd love to come back, Joe. Thank you for having me.